I think there's almost like a reality check on, you know, how much the business itself is like in its own, a big learning curve, you know, and, and people meet you where you are at, you know, if you, if you're there and you are, you're clear about what is it that you want and why is it that you want it, people are, are responsive to it. everybody and welcome to the Hollywood Dream Podcast, the podcast where we talk to film and TV professionals about their journey towards reaching that big Hollywood dream, whatever that might be to them. And in today's episode, I'm chatting with my dear friend and actor, entrepreneur, Idaiber Orozco. Idaiber has done tons of TV and film and commercials. You can see her in HBO's Hack. Dear White People on Netflix, uh, Criminal Minds, and the list goes on and on. Hi, Diamond. Hi, Giovanni. So good to see you. It's so nice to see you virtually. I know, I know. It still feels like you're here with me, though. So how's life? Life is good. It's been in, um, an interesting two first months of the year. Yeah. Um, i just been... Yeah, it's just been, uh, let's say, a steady year so far. There's a lot of changes coming in for me. So this is, this has been a lot of growth and a lot of education, I guess, in the last few months. I feel like I, like we talk on like Instagram and stuff, but we never actually, since Esper, we met in acting school and it's been so long and we yeah. never actually sat down and have a full conversation. So I'm excited for this. Me too, me too. Yeah, to you tell me, what do you want to know? <laughs> Let's begin. <laughs> so, uh, you know, okay, I've, always, I've always thought that you have the most unique name. Ever since I met you on Esper, I have never met anyone, another diver. And I read that there's a story behind that name. Absolutely. Yeah, there is a story. Actually, I am the only person with this name in the world. Um, and it means, it's my grandmother's names together. So oh, one is Ida and the other one was Ever. So their names were unique already. So my dad decided to put that together. And, you know, the Ida part is like, a, like Ida, but then he threw mm. the Y in there just to make it even more interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm super, super proud of my mom and carrying my my abuelita's legacy you know that's the lovely thing about uh, latin america and latinos we always have unique names our parents were really creative when they were naming us <laughs> for sure you're from venezuela right no problem yeah did you yeah did i was you... born and raised in venezuela i probably lived there 20 years Oh, and did you want to be an actor when you were there? You know what? I didn't have any influence. Like there was no one around me who was doing that, you know? So it was kind of difficult to have um, an, an image or an expander, if you will. You know, I only had reference of what I saw on TV, which was very, very limited back, back then. But my mom, she used to, she was subscribed to these newspaper, like special edition or something. And I would get plays, theater plays every Sunday. 
And I started a collection of plays and that opened up my world. And it was literally like, you know, like I was reading, I was like seven and I was reading all of these American and European writers plays and Venezuelan writers plays. And I was just like, wait a minute, I want to be a part of this story. And, you know, so it was a very, I think it started from a place of curiosity and then it moved into a place of like, taking action, you know, because it was very difficult for me to just be like, you know, I feel like kids nowadays have so much access to this information, even if they don't have it in their city, in their town, in their country, you know, oh, they have access to all of these. I didn't have that. So for mm-hmm. me, it was very a trial and error kind of process. And I, I mean, I think I was probably 11 or 12 when I produced my first play. Wow, and it came from that place, from that place of one. Yeah, yeah. I remember putting together like the group uh, that lived in my building. You know, a bunch of kids that were my age, and I remember one of them was like eighteen. He was kind of like the old one, you know, and he was going to be the director because I decided he's the oldest one. He needs to be the director. (laughs) And then, yeah, everybody had, everybody had a job, you know, so it was like we were actors, but we were also like, you know, makeup and costumes and casting and um, the, the, the set, you know, sent design. So we rented, we rented, no, we borrow the, the party room downstairs in our building. You know, they used to rent that for like quinceañeras and things like that. And oh, we yeah. took the space, we took over the space for a couple of weeks. And we brought in rental chairs and we set a full on stage. And then on that stage, we were performing Moliere. And <laughs> it was my first experience with war, you know, like we went in by myself and I was the producer, you know, so that I guess that's where my love for, for producing comes from as well. Which Moliere play? Uh, the Misentro in Amado. Uh, so we did it in yeah. Spanish, of course. But yeah, I remember inviting my my friends uh, and classmates from high school. I was in high school at that time, I think. And I, you know, and they were like, you did this? I'm like, yeah, I did this. And it, it felt really good. I mean, we sold tickets. I remember like we even, had, we even had like a stand for the tickets. Like we had the tickets and we had, we sold them. And we did it like for over three or four nights or something like that. And we were sold out every night. So yeah. <laughs> that's so yeah, cool yeah, I, I love that so much. I... Yeah. It's... So that's how I I would say that's how my, my love for the arts began, you know, and I, I, I wanted to be on TV. I wanted to be in, in, in movies, but there was you know, in Venezuela itself there was really nobody like me who was doing that because, you know, Venezuela, as you probably know, we we are very well known for for winning all the Miss Universes and all the Miss Worlds and all these pageants. And a lot of the people, I'm not saying everyone, but a lot of the people that were on TV came from that world. You know, there was, it was almost know, like I... their school, you know, they would go to the pageants and then they would transition into becoming actors and, and artists in general. So so I couldn't see myself reflected, okay. you know, in, in that world and or nor nor is nobody was like knocking on the door to offer me these opportunities either, you know, so I had to create them myself, which is very similar to what Steel is nowadays. Yeah. And you're still doing that. So that's incredible. Yeah. 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 Did yeah. you, did you, you ever know, want to be in the house? Um, you know what? I think because it was the only reference I had, 
Did then you? yes, at that point, but you know, reflecting back or even, you know, as, as a young adult and growing up, I don't think that was an intention anymore. I think, um, I think a film was probably my, or is still probably the most magnetic medium for me where I feel mm-hmm. that I, I, I just, I just love independent film. I just love the greediness of a film and the, the, the rawness of those kind of stories. And then theater is my next love, you know, and I haven't done theater in years, but I, you know, I just get transported. I go to a theater and I just feel like, Ugh, oh, I want to be back on stage again, you know, and yeah. uh, it's harder in LA, you know, because everything is so, there's a lot of good theater, don't take me wrong, you know, but everything is so spread out that even to commit yourself for a play that is going to have to rehearse for several days and the commute, it becomes, a, it, it becomes like a, you almost have to focus on that only, if you will, you know, yeah. and, and and just do something during the day and then your afternoons and evenings for that. So it's been a little challenging. And honestly, I haven't made it a priority. I think that there's a thing when you arrive to a place like Los Angeles where it's almost like your priorities without you even noticing change a little bit and you come, you kind of become part of this rat race of following the next job, the next job, the next job. And and I think I want to connect again with why I want to be an actor, first of all, you know, and uh, yeah. what is it that really filled my cup versus just, you know, pursuing the next job and, and measuring my worth as an actor based on results, you know, on booking, you know. Yeah. Will you ever consider just coming back to New York? I have, and I did, you know, um, I was even there last year and... It was magic, you know. I I feel like I have this this love affair with New York that I go there and I just feel like, oh, I love you, but you <laughs> don't love me, kind of thing, you know. Um, there's something very special about New York, and I just think that you know when I was in New York for work, I was in a very different mindset. I was doing different things, and it just felt like I was just hustling all the time and it was exhausting you know and I I just felt at some point just very depleted you know uh, combining my passions and my money making you know and it just I was just depleted so I I decided to take a step back and and know that New York will come back when it's the right time Mm-hmm. I feel it in my heart that at some point I'm probably going to be back there. I actually do have an agent now in New York. I just started working with him because of that trip that I did uh, last year. And it's been a really, really good relationship. And I'm I'm excited about what that could look like in the future. Yeah. But it's still is a newer relationship. We're still trying to figure out where it, where do I fit in, in those, in those shows in that world in New York. Yeah. So. But I do see myself at some point being back, even if it's even if it's for season. But I I do see myself that be, doing that. Uh, do you see yourself producing theater again? You know, there's a friend of mine in New York actually who is very very interested in working together, and we have talked about the possibility of like perhaps doing a play, perhaps bringing back something that I've done already. And again, it's just. 
it's just that, you know, when you bring it into the spiritual world, it's just like, it's in, it's in, it's in this stage, you know, by yeah. like, I'm creating of allowing the download to come, but I don't think it has been an idea that has been fully processed yet. So yeah, maybe, you know, maybe uh, I, I don't close that possibility. My, my favorite Venezuelan writer has recently been, uh, um, appointed to be the creative director, and I might be saying the, the title wrong, but he's in charge now of the Dallas Theater. And his plays are just, you know, to me, it's like some of the best writing and, and some of the stories that I just want to just do so bad as an actor. Yeah. And, you know, seeing his journey also, you know, like I remember being 50 years old and, you know, saving my weekends just to go to his theater to see his work. You know, that's how much I love this writer. And I got an opportunity to meet him a few years ago. And I told him all of this. And he's like, oh, my God, I can't, you know, because if you think about it, you know, a 15 year old on your own, kind of doing this of like just sitting in, in the audience, being in awe of these people and being like, I want to do that. I, I just don't know how to get there, but I want to do that. And, and I had the opportunity to do one of his plays in New York. And uh, it was such an honor to even just have the opportunity to to say his words out loud. And so seeing his journey and seeing him now here also in the States and, and the, the kind of work that he's now producing, that sounds really exciting to me. Like, yeah, I think I, I might like have to delve back into producing. Yeah. And like after you moved to L.A. and you've been there for a while, uh... Do you feel like someone needs to go there in order to make a career in in TV or film? Or do you feel now that you've experienced LA and experienced New York, you like you can just stay in New York and you'll probably be fine? You can just stay in your little town in Florida and still work. You know, mm -hmm. I I did theater when I was in Florida, you know. Uh, there okay. are commercial opportunities in Florida. There are there's a proximity to Atlanta that where a lot of a lot of big studio films are shooting there. You know, pretty much every city has its own set of opportunities for you to be a creative. You know, so and I and I think also part of it is like, well, what kind of creative career I want to have? The volume in LA is massive, but so does the volume of people in LA. You know, yeah. everybody, and I'm not kidding you, everybody that you meet or in a coffee shop and everybody's somehow involved in the industry and the few people that i have met that are that are not i'm like why are you even in la if you're not in the industry you know it's <laughs> like it's the top it's just such a seat that is moved by the entertainment industry so but no i don't think so i think that nowadays and uh, with the opportunities of sell tape uh you can just you can just book a job whatever you are you know as long as you have a good internet connection and a good decent basic setup where you can have our camera which your phone is perfectly fine for that a basic light a basic mic yeah i don't think i don't think you need to be in la any longer but it's exciting you know so yeah. if you were to to make a decision based on that lifestyle that's a different story you know yeah. it, i think it's a matter of what do you connect with the most you know the energy of new york the energy of la the energy of both you know, people are very different in each place. Uh, but like I say, now that I've been in, in both, I just, there's a lot of things that I love about New York and there's a lot of things that I love about LA. And yeah. I would 
think I would love the opportunity to just go back and forth. I think that would be the ideal scenario. I know that's my dream to go back and forth and like spend some time in uh, the winters in LA working and just come back here when it's warm. <laughs> well, although let me tell you, it was 39, 39 degrees this morning. So it wasn't warm I know, at all. I just, I just saw a meme about like, oh, life, uh, this is New York. I mean, this is LA right now. And it was, um, they were like all in with blankets in in the in the living room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, I mean, it was snowing yesterday in certain parts. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have video to prove it. Oh my god! I we had yeah. a little bit of snow here, but now it's like warm. Not warm, but oh nice, six fifties, warm for winter. Yeah, it's oh that's better than here. And <laughs> it's 45 right now. Oh my god. Yeah, I went to a late in January yeah. and it was really cold. Yeah, people don't expect it, you know, and I think it, var it varies a lot depending on what part of the city you're in, you know. Like I said, everything is so spread out that it literally changes a lot, you know, based on location. I know. I thought, um, I stayed in downtown LA because I thought my class was going to be like okay. in downtown LA, but it was in uh, in Burbank, and it was so far. <laughs> okay, that's not too bad actually. That's not too bad. Yeah. Okay, what class were you I, taking? Oh, it was a class on it was on podcast production, which is why I started the podcast. I went to LA and it was like a week long intensive on um, on how to put together a podcast and from like the ground up. Um, so that's why I started the podcast after nice. I went to LA. Nice. Congrats. There, but you had a there, podcast before, didn't you? Yeah, I did, but I wasn't really like, it, I wasn't really fully. I think I did it out of um, the out of the pandemic because I wanted to do something, but I wasn't fully invested in it because I wasn't like I ne I just was recording stuff over Zoom and like I wanted to make it better. That's why I went to the um, the boot camp in LA because I wanted to like learn more and not just like put something together uh, just because. Great. Uh, so that's great. why I, this is kind of like a rebrand of that podcast that I did because I deleted that. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Good. So now it's fully intentional and it's very clear of what is it that you want to get out of it. So that's good. That's, yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, exactly. So, um, we, I'm a diver of the William Esper studio a long, long time ago. <laughs> Do you remember those year, those time, yeah. that time in William Esper? Like, how have you evolved as an actor, as a person since since you were learning from David? Wow. I mean, first of all, my gratitude always will be to David for taking us under his wing for those two years and the people that I got the opportunity to share those two years with. I mean, those were my favorite two years in New York City. Uh -huh. um, it allowed me to realize so much that I had to learn and also it made me realize so much that I got to give. And I think when we left Esper, you know, I think we all left with a, 
with an expectation and with a dream of like how things were going to look like. And it has not been like that at all, you know, and it has evolved and changed. I think, um, it, it, I think there's almost like a reality check on, you know, how much the business itself is like in its own, a big learning curve that is never ending. And also, you know, it's like being okay also with, with every stage of where I have been in my career, you know, and I think, uh, when I was at Esper and leaving Esper, I was willing to do anything, you know, it's just like, yes, I'll do it. It's free. It doesn't matter. I'll do it. You know, same, um, which is great for training and for practice, oh, you yeah. know, and I think that with the year, you know, it's been over a decade. Um, I realized that also there's a value of what I have to bring to the table and I have to honor that value. And it's okay to want to be compensated accordingly, you know, for that value. And so that, that has been a big, a big leap. It doesn't mean that I will never do anything that is unpaid. You know, if the project really calls out to me and for whatever reason, there's no immediate compensation at the moment, you know, sometimes I would make an exception, you know, or if there's a director or even a student that I really, really want to work with because I see the vision or or I love the character or sure, I will, I will do that, but I don't spend my weekends anymore hustling for those free jobs just because I wanted to build my reel, you know, which at the end yeah. of the day, a lot of them material didn't even make it to my reel because it was not, it was either not good enough or I never even got a copy of it. So, yeah, but it was exactly. great practice. You know, it definitely taught me to be, to be on set, to, you know, to ask for the things that I want, which I think is very important. I think that as, as actors, sometimes we're so eager to work that we're willing to just be like, oh, it's okay. Yeah, big say's okay. You know, and it's like, no, 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 no. Let's, we're going to work professionally. Then let's, let's be professional about it. And I have no shame now to ask for the things that I need. Um, even, you know, even in, and I'm talking about now, like TV sets where, I have had the opportunity to to work with people that have inspired me and continue to inspire me. And I still, you know, obviously feel there's a humbleness that is going to come across because that's just who I am. That's just my nature. But at the same time, you know, bring that assertiveness and say, you know what? I need a stone coordinator for this. You know, I'm like, I don't think I can do this by myself. I need <laughs> someone to teach me how to fall down yeah. 10 times and do it safely. You know, and, and people meet you where you are at, you know, if you're, if you're there and you are, you're clear about what is it that you want and why is it that you want it, people are, are responsive to it. So now I approach things with obviously always there's going to be a place of gratitude, but there's also going to be a place of like, okay, professionalism, like knowing my value, knowing what I bring to the table has been a game changer for me. But, you know, it takes years of that and it takes years of, of saying yes and being now to saying no to things. And now I also say no, and that's very empowering. Yeah, that's good. I know. I just, I've been saying no a lot. I, I was the same at the beginning of, after we graduated Esper, like I'll just, I did so many awful plays <laughs> for, for me. <laughs> and just like yeah. student films, and I was like, oh, why did I do that? <laughs> Was there a time uh, in your life where you felt like giving up and just like you were you like, you know what, this is not for me. And like, how do you overcome that idea of like giving up? Every day, 
<laughs> every day. Uh, no, okay, maybe not every day. Every week, every month. Yeah, I contemplated a lot. Uh-huh. And um, I gotta be honest, if I if I could do something else and be equally happy as I feel when I'm on set, I would do it. But that's not the truth. There's something about my soul calling that requires me to be a creative person. And I think that what has evolved also, it's where I get to place my creativity and how I get to express my creativity. So there's a lot of a lot of doubt that comes with this profession. It's just inevitable. And I think that happens at every level. I've seen it at every level. You know, I've seen it with the people being number one in the call sheet, with the director, with the producer, with the ad agency that is producing a spot. I've seen it at every level, which allows me to even have more compassion about how, how we bring everybody into, into this creative world. And I think that doubt has allowed me to realize that I just have to constantly redirect that energy, redirect that rejection, you know, because I get rejected every week, at least one, you know, if not five times, depending on how busy a week has been, you know, and if we continue to place our value into the external validation, into the booking, into the getting the job, then we're never going to feel fulfilled, you know? So it's like, what else can I do? How can I cultivate my day-to-day life, you know, so that when the opportunity comes, yay, amazing, wonderful. But when it doesn't come, it's okay. I have another 10,000 things that I'm doing. Okay, maybe not that many, but I have another handful of things that I'm doing that feel very fulfilling as well. So I think it's a matter of redirecting the energy and constantly exploring other ways to express that creativity, you know? And and for me, it has been through producing, through directing, through simply collaborating with somebody on, on the other side of creating a project. Um, I have not fully explored writing yet, but I think that's a medium that I'm probably going to explore very soon. Um, and then, you know, having other other hobbies, other interests, other careers, other things that just light me up, you know, and yeah, no. that's just that's just the way I have made things work. Yeah. And what has been your most memorable job up to date? Because you've done a lot of stuff. You you're always working. So is there a job that you were like, oh, my God, that was incredible. Hacks. Hacks was. You know, it. it it was so meaningful in so many different ways because hacks came to me after I want to say maybe two years of not booking a job. Um, it, it was just it just came to me after a long season of not booking. It also is technically my first comedy job, mm-hmm. and I arrived to set. We're still in the middle of the pandemic. You know, we are all wearing masks and shields, you know, the whole nine yards. And the director, the executive producer, and uh, the two executive, the other two executive producers are, uh, approached me and were so welcoming. They made me feel like I had just 
nailed my audition in a way that it was just like, we knew it was you. And that, you know, again, for someone who had not been working for a little bit, that felt amazing. You know, standing there watching Gene Smart working with the other two actresses that were on set, I was just mesmerized. You know, I was like, oh my God, how lucky I am that I get to witness this in person, you know, to watch this legend working and doing her thing and you know this this freedom and these confidence and I was like I want that I want to be that you know and <clears throat> remember going back to my trailer and telling my coach like oh my god I'm I'm doing this and I'm having so much imposter syndrome you know like in the middle of the day and she's like what are you talking about you earned this you deserve to be there you got this because you did something right I'm like okay 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 <laughs> and then almost giving myself permission of doing that, you know, bringing like, yes, I deserve to be here. I'm as, 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 I'm as good as they are, you know, and that's a very hard thing to admit, you know, when you're surrounded by the talent and, and then, you know, everything that came after hacks, it just, it's, it's been a beautiful journey. Like I still occasionally would get a random message from someone that I haven't talked years with and they're like, oh my God, I just saw you in hacks. And, you know, I left that set, first of all, feeling that it was the most encouraging, loving, beautiful energy set that I ever been to. But also as I was leaving, you know, I was approached again and they told me, oh my God, you need to tell your agent that you need to do more comedy. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is new to me. This is my first time. And they're like, what? So, I, yeah, so that job for me is always going to be if not my favorite one on the top, you know, at the moment, I would say that, that yeah. that's my favorite job ever. No, that's so exciting. I was so happy for you when you, uh, when you posted mm -hmm. about it on, on Instagram. Yeah. 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 That felt really good. And you know, and, and here's the thing, you know, things happen as a, as a cycle in this industry, you know, sometimes you're up and sometimes you're down and, you know, right after hacks, I booked another job. And that job, I ended up working two days uh, with Rose Barron. So again, I had another amazing experience of being on set with somebody who I have watched and seen grown and admire for so many years. And then my scene was caught. It never made it to the to the to the show. And it's like it's all bittersweet, you know. And it's like it can be heartbreaking, you know. It's like one day you're here in Cloud Nine because you got to work with these amazing people, and then the next day is like. Sorry, you didn't make the card. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with you, you know. They simply they simply changed the storyline. They even changed the way the whole episode went. And I was like, Oh, this is completely different and I'm not even in it. Okay. You know, <laughs> it happened. Yeah. Well, aside from being an actor, a good actor at that, you're also an entrepreneur. Uh can you I share am. a little more of what is to rekindle your life and what is an emotional co practitioner? Sure, sure, sure. So rekindle your light started because I always been connected to my spiritual side, but I think I had neglected it for many, many, many years. And close to when I booked hack, I was already working with a coach around clearing these energies that I just felt they were just stuck. They were just like, I, w I just wasn't feeling like things were moving along, but I was also feeling 
fatigue and, and which is not my nature. You know, I'm, I'm extremely energetic. If you know anything about human design, I'm a generator, which means I'm able to sustain my own energy for hours. I could go on and on and on and on and on and don't get tired. You know, that's just the way I'm designed. That's just the way I am. That's just the way I'm, I'm, I function. So when I'm not performing at that level, I know something is off. So I found these um, through a friend of mine in LA. I found these practitioner who does emotion code. Actually, she does emotion code and body code. And they explained to me it's an energy healing technique where we get rid of whatever trap emotions your body has accumulated for years. And this is in a subconscious level. So uh-huh. you might not even be aware that when you were four years old and you were not invited to be a part of the of the play in school, that that probably held something in you that had to do with your self-worth. And that just got stuck. And then things just keep getting stuck as you grow up. There's energies and emotions that can be stuck from you seeing your parents fight, from your mom being worried when you, when she was pregnant with you. I mean, there's inherited trapped emotions, there are shared trapped emotions, and then there's the your own trapped emotions that you just constantly, if you're not processing them, you know, you're constantly getting them trapped in your body. And this could, this this could cause not only the energetic, you know, weakness and the energetic feeling like this is not me kind of thing but also it could cause illness you know it could cause uh, chronic stress pain you know my my back pain is completely related to the trapped emotions in my heart you know they're ultimately related so after working with her for for a, for a long time um, and I was feeling really good and I was feeling super magnetic that's when I lost my dad and, you know, I have lost a lot of people in my life. I have lost both of my siblings. And this one felt different. You know, I think the loss of a parent, it's just different. It's, it's just, yeah. it's different. It's difficult to explain, but it, it, it felt very diff- different and difficult for me. However, you know, when my dad, I, I, I wasn't aware that he was going to pass, you know, it's not like, oh, we knew he was ill. No, it was, it was very sudden. It was very unexpected. Um, I did know that morning that he was taken into the hospital and it was an emergency and I just felt it. I just felt that something was off and I started seeing like lights around me, you know, like it was I, I, and I was looking for this sort of light because, you know, as much as I'm a believer, I'm also a skeptic sometimes. And I was like, where is this light coming from? And I'm like, there's just lights and there's like lights ahead of me. And I'm like, Lord. And then I heard the words follow the light. And that's when I just knew that my dad was gone. I just knew it. And I arrived oh home God. and there were lights in my house too. And there were lights. And yeah, they called me within the next half hour to tell me that he had passed and of course at the moment I didn't know where that was going to take me you know there was no intention of like oh oh this must be the idea no I had you know I spend my time working with my coach just processing now the grief you know which yeah this is an ongoing process it has not ended but it's obviously better and months later I just asked her and I say do you think this is something I can do I'm like I feel like so many people are walking around with this heaviness and I just want to help them. You know, I just want 
I just want to be that light for other people, you know, and it's like, oh my God, I think you'll be perfect for this. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to think about it. And even though I tend to be someone who makes decisions like, yes, I want this, I'm going to do it now, done, 35. I took my time and then eventually I sign up for the, for the certification program and I, I graduated on my dad's anniversary. So it was 2-21-1-2. Yes. So last year on his anniversary, that was, that was the way that I wanted to do it. And I, I just, I received the certification that day. I launched the business the next day. So this is my way to honor him. And this is also my way to realizing that I have a lot more to offer beyond being an actor. I think an actor, a performer, an artist is always going to be a part of me. I'm like, that's not going away. That's not going anywhere. That's what fills my soul of just joy and, and playfulness. And I think this new chapter of my life is guiding me to guide other people to find that light in themselves, you know? So that's what Rekindle Your Light is about. And I'm in the process of getting certified for a different course called Dharma Coaching, which is literally just helping people find their soul purpose. You know, it's like, what do we come to this world, to this life to do, you know? And it has helped me understand that I came to this world to be that mirror to other people to show people that it's okay to have many different interests and many different passions and be multi-talented and be uh, multi-passionate. And yeah, I'm, I'm super, super excited about this new chapter. And how intense is the training for the Dharma coaching? Is that something that's um, like energy? It's intense, you know, it's like we have learned everything from the chakra system to the Dharma, the, the Dharma blueprint itself. Um, we're just going to start now the business side. So we literally just finished the coaching side. But for the last four months, I've been in class every Wednesday and I have been practicing coaching every week. We have a, we have a minimum amount of hours that we have to complete of of actual coaching experience and so i have a a handful of classmates that we help each other you know with practice and coaching and we have what is called pods so every week you know you get into a pod and then you're paired randomly with somebody and you get to you get to work and let me tell you this is when the acting comes super handy too because it's like it's like improv (laughs) you don't know you don't know what you're gonna get have to go with it you know you just have to stay in it and 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 be present and listen and just connect to the person's soul because at the end of the day that's all we're trying to do you know even as actors all we're trying to do is to connect to the people that is watching us to connect to their soul you know so to yeah. have them resonate with what we're doing so it's I'm like you're back at S farm all over again with a yes yes <laughs> it is it is <laughs> I mean, I think um, at least I don't have to be learning like super long, you know, 15 page scenes. <laughs> uh, but they're still, they're still, they're still learning. And, and mind you, I'm doing all of this while I'm still holding my full time job and while I'm still auditioning, you know, so that's what it's more challenging. This is not like the only thing I'm doing. So, but yeah, how do you balance everything? That's, that's the trick. It's hard. 
you know, it's really hard. I think um, you have to constantly be checking back at your your self-care practices. And I think um, for me, it means a lot of movement. You know, I, I exercise is a big part of my life also because I do have an, an anxiety disorder. And for me, it's very important to get rid of that energy, you know, by meditating, by exercising, by nur- by nourishing my body, you know, I'm very, very cautious of what I eat. Um, so, and I'm struggling with my sleep cycles, but I'm working on it. So all of those things need to be in balance. And then I'm still learning to work around my design so that my days feel more intentional. So even though I have my schedule at work, then I get my practices done before 8.30 in the morning. So sometimes I'm seeing clients at 7 a.m. or 7.30 a.m. before I start work, or I see them after 5.30 p.m., or I see them on the weekends, or my Wednesday, I take Wednesdays off at work. So that's my day to kind of focus on all of that. And then auditions is like whenever I can plug them in, you know, lunch break, yeah. sure, <laughs> audition, you know, uh, you just, you just plug them in whenever. And my job is super supportive of my acting career. I'm very, very fortunate and lucky. It has taken me a lot of years to find that balance, you know, of being able to be who I am and tell them like, I am an actor. And then ask, actually asking like, how's the acting going? You know, versus having to lie or like, oh, I have yeah. to appointment. No, you know, there's no need for that anymore, which feels so good. You know, that's good. I think that's the hardest part when you start, you when you're starting out, finding a job that understands that, you know, they come second to your first career, which is acting or whatever it might be. You know, and I think it has a lot to do with how you word it out, you know, because if you tell them, oh, you're a second. That might not be received well, but if you exactly. tell them, my job is going to get done, progress, you know, yeah. you know, it's how you work and also how you show up, you know, uh, you show up and make them feel that even though I have to take an extra day off so that I can fit in all of those things in, but my job is going to be done regardless, then it's taken different, you know, it's, it's, it's received well. It's received like, okay, she's she's right. Her work has been done. I mean, I'm this is my fourth year with them, going into five. And they know it, you know, they know my work is gonna be done. Even if I have to take two, three days off because I have uh, a commercial to shoot, you know? Yeah. So I have a little um game. Well not a game, it's a, a rapid fire uh segment questions. Oh, just to see how many oh, questions can you get down. in two minutes? Okay. okay. Is this trivial or is this questions about No, no, me? they're what just questions this? about you and you can just ask many as you can. Okay. So, but there's, there's two minutes, so I'm, okay. I'm going to start the clock. Oh, you know what? There's there's a little delayed. Well, I just, let's, let's see how this goes. <laughs> okay. 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 Ready? What is your go-to karaoke yeah. song? I don't know. My heart will go on. Who's your current celebrity crush? Oh, Bradley Cooper. What is your favorite emoji? And uh, smiley face. 
<laughs> what is your pet peeve? Your biggest pet peeve? People who lie. Uh, most unique place you visited? Uh, the Wall of China. Worst audition you've ever had? Oh, I completely blanked out, forgot my lines, had the lines in my hand, and I still could not read them. <laughs> what was that for? Tragic. Tragic. <laughs> it was a reporter. I'm like, don't call me for reporters. Can you be have an accent? <laughs> it was a reporter. And I, I I think it was for Mr. Mayor. Yeah, it was that it was a comedy show, Mr. Mayor. And needless to say, I was never called back into the office. <laughs> But do you work with it's background bad. noise or in silence? Uh, it varies. Both depends what I'm doing. What's your favorite YouTube channel? Uh, there's this couple called the Country Collectors, and they have this amazing series about Mexico, and it's like all the stuff that they've done in Mexico. And every episode is a different part of Mexico. I love that one. Favorite TV show? Ted Lasso. <laughs> Jason Sudeikis is my other girl. That's it. <laughs> Great job. You answer. I did it. You answer nine questions. You are you're you hold the record because you're the first one I do this with. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I hope I hope I I, I hope nobody nobody takes it takes it away from me. <laughs> And to finish our uh, podcast episode, what would be the one thing you would tell your younger self as she embarks in this journey to pursue this career in entertainment? What would be the advice you would go back to tell your younger self? This is very Ted Lasso-like, but believe. Knowing your heart that he... If it's meant for you, it's going to happen. It just might not be on your terms. So just surrender and allow the things to come to you. Oh, that's beautiful. How was... <laughs> thank you. Thank, well, thank you. you. I so get much, super emotional talking to my younger self. Thank you for making this space and, and for your energy and your welcoming i i had a blast and i wish you so much success in this podcast and well where can where can i direct people to listen to this uh well no first of all if anybody wants to hire you to find their own light and uh hire you as their coach how will they go about doing that um uh the best Way to find me is on Instagram. Um, I go under Rekindle Your Life. And I also have my personal Instagram page at eDiver. It's just my name, Y-D-A-I-B-E-R. So it's very easy to get all of me because um it. So yeah, that's <laughs> the best way to find me. You're the only one in the world. I am. And then everyone can find the podcast at the Hollywood Dream Pod on Instagram and all the other places that you listen to podcasts.